Tanya for the 22nd of Tammuz, the first the story. Rib Avram was the son of Maharin, who was the son of the, of the Tzemach Sadek, and he was a Reb of his own. And there were seven sons of the Tzemach Sadek, six of whom all became Rebbes of their own. And when he was a young man, when Avram, the son, the grandson of the Tzemach Sadek, was a young man, he was once traveling, traveling back to Nezhin, back to his father. And when he saw his father, he told his father, I don't want to have the traditional father-son greeting. You're a Rebbe. I want to come as a Hasid instead of a son. So he said, you, so he, his father asked him, he said, he said, you want advice of a Rebbe? He said, if that's the case, go to your uncle, the Rebbe Maharaj in Lubavitch. And so that's exactly what he did. He went to, he went to Lubavitch, but he was, a, he was a nephew of the Rebbe Maharaj. He was a very important a guest. Rebbe Rifka prepared a whole festive welcome for him. The Rebbe Maharaj came out to sit with him for half an hour, which was, that was a very big deal. And when it was time to leave, he told his uncle, the Rebbe Marash, uncle, I came in order to have yechidus. So the Rebbe Marash told him, he said like this, he said, last night I had incredible pain. He said, a, a vein burst and I had nothing to stop the blood from coming out aside for a, a piece of my shirt. I literally tore off a piece of my shirt to wrap it around, my, around, around the wound. And he said, the suffering that I have is nothing compared to a young man coming to yechidus. So he said, today I can't, Tomorrow come. And the next day, Avram, the nephew of the of the Rebbe Marash, by the way, that nephew was going to become the father-in-law of the previous Rebbe Chabad. He came the next day, and he had Yechidus, and when he came back to his father, his father told him, no, I gave you good advice to go to your uncle. Um, the Tanya for today is the entire chapter five. We're going to have to move rather quickly. What we'll do is we'll summarize the topics in chapter five, and then we'll move quickly through it. The first idea is explaining how the godly soul is connected to God. That's the first the first part of today's Tanya. Then we'll explain what the spiritual meaning of cutting off the soul, what it means. In the Torah, it uses the word kares. What does that actually mean? What does it actually look like? Number three, what's the effect of other sins on our godly soul? And number four, we'll talk about the delayed effect of kares because we see, as we asked in the question in the beginning, we see people do Kare sins and don't drop dead on the spot. So what's actually going on with all that? Part number one of, the, of chapter five is Behine. The final hey of, of the God's four-letter name represents malchus, represents speech, represents um, also the, the God cre the creation element of this world, including the animal soul, including the godly soul. But the godly soul's origin, though it might have been blown, there may have been spoken into creation, its original origin comes from blowing, which is the deeper part, the internal part of God's speech, which is much higher. Like it says in the Pasuk, and the Pasuk really brings it out. And God blew into the nostrils of Adam Harishan a soul, a godly soul. And man became a creature. So, in the creation of humankind, as we explained in chapter four, there's the godly soul, which comes from the four-letter name of God, which is entirely beyond everything else that exists in this world. And then there's speech that brings everything into being. And like the Zoya explains, when a person blows, they blow from deep within themselves. When God gave us the soul and then, and then blew that soul into us, that came from deep within God, far deeper of a level than anything else in this world. But the, the example of blowing is not the only, let's call it, connection that between the soul and God. 
because blowing implies that you blew and then it's gone. But that's not the case of the godly soul. The godly soul is always continuously connected with God. And that's the theme of chapter five. And now we're going to bring a process. And this is what it's written. That that the Jewish people are a portion of Yudke Vavke, or they have a portion of Yudke Vavke inside of ourselves. And Yaakov is the rope of our of his of his inheritance. The connection between the soul is like a rope. The rope represents a continuous connection to God. When you pull on a rope, it affects everything. The rope connection is the connection of the soul between the body and above to God. That connection isn't just a one-time connection, a rope connection. You say someone has a rope connection, or if you sever the rope, it's not a rope connection anymore. So when we, in the past, compare the connection of the soul to a rope, we're saying that the connection is continuous. There's a continual line, uh, uh, let's call it a, a wire, electricity cable that connects us and God by way of the soul. Pirush, the altar is going to explain. You have a rope, the higher part of the rope is connected above, the lower part is connected below, and we have a continual connection, the divine soul with God and with ourselves by way of this rope connection. That's point number one, the connection between God and our soul and ourselves. Number two, what is the spiritual meaning of Paris? We use the analogy of blowing. When we say God gave us a divine soul, gave us a godly soul, God blew it into us. What, what can we learn from the fact that God blew it? Something very interesting happens when you blow. If you, for example, blow against something, you're trying to blow a candle out. You blow, the candle goes out. If you put your your hand in the way and then you blow, the candle won't go out. And the question is why? Because you've put something in the way of the actual blowing of the of the candle. So things can get in the way of this air, oxygen, or carbon. The, uh, the, the air as it comes out of your mouth, you putting your hands in the way blocks it. Now, of course, what we're trying to say is that when we do a sin, we get in the way of this connection between our godly soul, harming the, the receptors. Now, of course, we say, wait a second, I thought God is everything and everything is God. How can we possibly do something that will impact God's connection? That's what we're going to ask now. We have this principle that we mentioned throughout the first book of the Tanya continuously, continuously and throughout the second book of the Tanya as well, that nothing, everything is God and God is everything. God fills everything and there's no empty place for that God. And from the higher to the heavens to the lowest world and how God fills all the world the principle basis of Tanya basis of Judaism is that God is everything everything is God so how can we possibly do a sin severing that blowing connection that God has between ourselves and our divine soul it always should be connected because God's everywhere and God's everything so answers al Rebbe you're right God is everywhere and God is everything and God's connection is always there but when we do a sin we harm our receptors from our perspective, we make damage. And from our perspective, we're not able to connect properly with that godly energy, which is, of course, everywhere. It says after, I'll read it inside. Like it says in Yeshaya, only your sins, says Yeshaya to the Jewish people in the name of Hashem, is what separates you from God. Why is it our sins hurt our receptors? Because our receptors hurt the will of God. When we do a sin, 
God has a will and he says, I want you to do my mitzvahs. I want you to do my Torah. We, do, we go against that. We're going against the will of God. Whatever God wills, he's done in the heavens and the earth. God has a will that we do Torah mitzvahs. When we go counter to that will, we're interrupting our reception of God's will. We interrupt that reception. Now, this, now that we're kind of putting the hand in the way of God's blowing breath of the godly soul into us. So when we do something that goes counter the will of God, we're harming our own receptors of godliness. And that is what chorus is. When we do a chorus sin, a serious sin, that's so serious it goes against the will of God, because God says, if someone does something like that, they'll be cut off. We are essentially blocking it off from our perspective, not from God's, because God's perspective continuously happens. But from our own perspective, God's will comes by way of the final hey. And when we do a sin, when we go counter the will of God, we put interruption between that energy force. I'm sorry, one bracket I forgot to mention, I rushed through it, is that in Walter mentioned in the previous chapter that where do we see the will of God in the in the Yud Kevavke energy? In the Yud, Yud is Chachma. But that little koitz, the little pointy part at the top of the Yud that points upward, that's kind of like above the letter, above the entire word, that represents the rot in the will of God. So you see what rot is in the Yud Kevavke. When a person does a Kari Sin, they harm Yud Kevavke, stopping and in, making an interruption, like blocking their hand in front of their face, not God, not from God's perspective, from their own perspective, that interrupts that flow coming downwards. So, like we say in the Pashat and you see it really clearly, when talking about Karis, we talk about Yud Kevavke, and we talk about it from Milfonai, we say and it says, the soul will be cut off before my face, I am God. Milfonai, from before my face, the the yud kevavke. When a person is is deserving of karis, what happens is the yud kevavke is what's harmed in front of Hashem, and we by doing a karis oriented sin, let's call it, what we do is we harm the yud kevavke. We stop the yud kevavke from connecting to our receptors properly. What about other sins? That's only talking about the serious, very heavy hitting very heavy hidden sins, the sins that are extremely serious in Judaism, but there's so many other sins, the 613 um, uh, mitzvahs, there's so many other sins to be done, what about what happens with those? That's the third point of today's Tanya. What about other sins that, do, that don't have exorcism, don't have chorus related to them? Anytime we do a sin, even a tiny sin, it makes a tiny dent in the in the connection that we have between God and our godly soul. It's like a it's like a, a defect. For example, imagine a little defect on a knife. The knife knife won't be such a won't be such a effective knife. In fact, for ritual slaughtering, the knife needs to be absolutely perfect. Can't have even a single bump. Why? Because those bumps harm the entire knife. Will it work? Yes, it might work. But for ritual slaughtering, you want to make sure it's absolutely perfect. It's a problem. The Altabit gives an example. We already have an example. We use the example of a rope. And Altabit says, well, let's let's analyze that, that uh, rope example. What is a rope usually made out of? 
made out of multiple tiny little ropes, little strands. You put a whole bunch of strands together and you have a very, very strong rope. So it says, our connection between God and our godly soul is like a rope made of 613 strands. Every single time we do an abeira, we do a sin, we harm one of those ropes, one of those little strings, one of those threads inside of it. You say, well, I did a few sins. No, there's 613. There's a lot, lot of ropes left. Yeah. But you're harming that rope. And every single time a person does a sin, they harm that rope. And the fourth um, part of today's Sanya is a practical question. And it gets a little bit Kabbalistic in nature. But if we just explain that when a person does kares, they kind of putting their hand in front of the godly breath that's that's giving them the godly soul. How come if they're getting if they were getting the divine soul by way of God blowing it into them and now they're getting in, in the way that they block their own receptors by sinning? How is it possible that they don't drop dead on the spots? How do they manage to last until the age of 50? If they block the the the, the source, that, if a person does a single thing, we say there's many more strands left. But if a person does kares, they block the entire flow of that divine energy. Well, now how are they still alive? They should drop dead. Ah, says when God blows into us, this godly soul, it creates like an imprint. It's almost like when you draw on two pieces of paper, the and the top paper, of course, has the writing on it. You move that paper aside, you look at that one underneath, you see there's a there, there you can still read the message. Do you see the ink? Of course not, but you can see the shadow of it, you can see the, the imprint of it. Sorry. So too with our soul. The godly soul, it's powerful and it's godly. And when even if we interrupt it, it still stays and makes a massive um, dent. It makes a massive imprint in ourselves. And we keep feeding off that. And a person that deserving of Kairos, even if they're supposed to drop dead on the spot, the imprint continues onwards. A person is able to live another 50 or 60 years. Now in brackets. The Arizal explains this idea and he says that when a person has this Kairos situation, what happens is a uh, 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 level of, the, of life force enters this person called Makif. And it kind of like, it's not a, a deep, impactful type of, of, of energy, but it encompasses a person with this godliness that enables him to, to, um, to live longer. And the question is, well, if that's the case, why can't he live longer than that? So he says, and the says that this is a very weak type of energy, and it isn't actually about the physical life, it's more about the spiritual but and and also this only applies until the person's fifty. And also, as we're going to mention in tomorrow's time in chapter six, this only applies nowadays anyway, because now we're not during the time of the basement and we're not getting the the lion's share of our energy or any strong force of energy from our soul like they used to get during the times of the basement English anyway. So the the. the our reasonable explanation is, is going to be very understandable based on chapter six. Thank you so much for joining. Tanya, Tanya, say, let me show you another. Yeah, I'm sorry. 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 I'